Sota Perik Ches Mishnah Zayin eight seven the last of the Perik and here in our Mishnah we're going to define which are the types of wars for which the exemptions that we saw in the previous Mishnayos apply. Meaning some wars are too obligatory in everybody that uh, that no one is exempt. So to understand this Mishnah, I'm going to describe it outside first because I think the words are a little confusing. Um, essentially, we're going to see that there are three levels of obligation, three types of wars. So the lowest level of obligation are wars that are fought essentially for um, economic benefits. So the king decides we, we it's in our national interest and for economic reasons um, to expand our borders or to levy taxes on our, on our neighbors um, or to create colonies, whatever the story is. So that's the lowest level obligation. Then you have level, we'll call that level one. Then you have level two, which is, um, I'll call them um, preemptive wars. Preemptive wars are wars in which... Um, they're fought for national security reasons, but there's no current immediate um, threat from from this uh, foreign nation. It's just that we anticipate if we don't keep them weak and uh, continue to act against them, sooner or later they'll get the, the strength and ability to attack us. So this preemptively, we're keeping them um, in a situation where they cannot attack us. So that's, I'll call that level two, okay? And I'll call that a preemptive war, for lack of a better term. Then you got level three. Um, which is when you have a uh, a war which is mandated by the Torah that you have to participate in uh, because either it's, the examples really, there are basically three examples. You've got wars like the conquering of the land of Israel in the beginning when Yehoshua came in as the Sukkim the mandate. You have the ongoing war that we're supposed to fight against Amalek should we identify them? We have to fight them. That's a mitzvah from the Torah. Those are obligatory. And you have, you know, other kind of wars where you're protecting Jewish lives. You know, the, the state of Israel is under attack. The nation is under attack. Um, and therefore, to stop people from attacking Jews in Israel, you have to fight them back. That will be an obligatory war on everybody. So that's level three. Okay? So now, notwithstanding the words, which we're going to get see in a moment, everyone is going to agree that um, level one wars are... The, all the exemptions apply. Um, not only that, but even level two wars, where they're preemptive wars, the exemptions apply. In contrast, level three wars, where God said you have to participate or you're saving you know, Jews and Israel's lives by defending them, that the exemptions do not apply. Okay, so we'll see that inside because there's, there's going to be a semantics here called, with these three terms. We'll have one term, milchemes harishus, a, um, like an optional war, discretionary war, then you've got level another one which is called milchemes mitzvah, a mitzvah war, and then you have something else called milchemes chova, like an obligatory war. Okay, and we're going to have a discussion about which terms apply to which of these levels, um, but but there's no actually arguments about um, the categorization. The categorization is going to be in short that, like I said before, level one and level two the exemptions do apply, and level three the exemptions don't apply. Okay, so see, let's see this inside. It says, Bemidavar Mamurim, when do these words apply? Meaning, when do these exemptions we saw previously apply that people who are in their first year of marriage or have, haven't yet enjoyed their vineyard and so on are exempt from participating? Bilmilchemes Harishus, in optional wars, discretionary wars, by which the Tana here means level one and level two, meaning even preemptive wars are called Rishus. Of a Bemilchemes Mitzvah, but in Mitzvah wars, that's level three. Hakol Yotzin, everyone has to go out to participate. Afilu chasan mechedro v'chala mechupasa. Even the bridegroom from his room and the 
the bride from her chuppah. Now the truth is um, that expression is a bit of a like a, a literary flourish. It's a a bit poetic, and the question is how poetic is it? Um, it's a quote that comes from the Navi Yoel, and in the second paragraph of Yoel, he warns that there's this terrible um, locust plague that's that's now arrived, and everyone better pray it, or else it's going to be catastrophic. And he says, "Isfu am kachu kahal kivtu zekenim isfu olim biyoknesha daim yetsi chaser mechedro v'chala mechupasa." which means gather the people and get the congregations together, gathering up the old people and collecting up the the young children and the nurslings. The chatan yetze mechadro, the groom should leave his room, the chala mechupasa, and the bride from her chuppah. Now, the the meaning of the chasen's cheder and the kala's chuppah is actually one and the same. We're talking about something which... for. Our purpose at the moment, that's just called the Yichud room, meaning immediately after they get married, they have a room together, private time, and, and you know, you would think that there's the mitzvah of, of Misamech Kala and the seven days of Sharabrachas and everything else, Ben Chavero, um, which would exempt um, the Chasen and Kala from participating, but the Navi is saying, no, everyone has to participate in the praying, and we're borrowing that same kind of expression over here in Sota, saying in our Mishnah, that, you know, everybody has to participate in the war, um, everyone from every stratum of society, no exemption, not even the Hassan and Kala. Okay, now, so that means everybody is fine, so certainly not people who are in, like, you know, the exemptions of the Hassan who hasn't had a Shana Roshana, who was not Zazan Makoma, of course, this person just got married, but he's running out to fight, that's fine. Um, there is a question regarding the Kala part, though. Uh, does the bride also She's a woman. Does she also participate in the battle, in the fighting? Um, and our mission seems to suggest yes. Many Mephorshim, however, understand this is really sort of a, a poetic license. And and we don't mean that the women are participating. And there are different approaches than the Mephorshim exactly um, what's going on here. So on the one extreme, people say, you know, chas v'shalom, the women are coming to, to battle. It's a man's thing to do. And, and this is just total, you know, uh, poetic license on the part of the Mishnah. Another extreme, they say, yeah, listen, the, uh, the mitzvah of Hatzalas Nefashos applies to everybody. Why not women too? And they have to get involved. And there's the middle positions where essentially, okay, the women are not going to be soldiers on the front lines, but they can support from behind, you know, cooking and baking and I don't know what, you know, in terms of logistics. So they can help uh, even though they're not combat soldiers. So different approaches in the, in the Mepharshim here. Now, all that said, Amr Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda is going to say, no, he disagrees, but again, this is semantics. Instead of saying, um, Level one and level two wars are considered rishos, and level three is mitzvah. He says, "Amar Yehuda, b'medavar memorim b'milchemes mitzvah." He says, "Milchemes mitzvah, they're exempt. All the exemptions from the from the parak. Meaning, he says that um, level one is called a rishos. That's just for economic benefit for the country. Level two, a preemptive war to keep our enemies weak." That's called a Melchemas Mitzvah, not Rishos. And then there's another level of a Melchemas, and, and he says in both those, there's an exemption, right? But then level three is called Melchemas Chova, an obligatory war. And for that, Hakol Yotzin, Afilu Chasen Mechedro, Vachal Mechupasa. Everyone, like we said before, the, even the Chasen Akala from their, um, straight from their bridal canopy, essentially. So when the dust settles, they're actually not disagreeing that it's the first two levels of the exemptions do apply, and the third level, it doesn't apply. If that's the case, so why in the world 
is Rabbi Huda taking up like a semantic issue and just do you call the level two? Do you call a preemptive uh, war? Do you call that rishus or mitzvah if it's the same halacha? The answer is well, there's he agrees it's it's in terms of the categorization like what I said. However, there is a halachic principle which you probably are aware of, which is called haosik b'mitzvah pater mitzvahs. If a person is doing one mitzvah then he's exempt from doing other mitzvahs. So if you're involved in one mitzvah, you're doing, I don't know, you're running on a, a shlichut, a mission to deliver something that's a, a mitzvah, so then you'd be exempt from saying Kriya Shema if need be, or, or sleeping in a sukkah, and so on. So the point is, according to Rabbi Yehuda, even a defensive war, a, like a preemptive war, I'll call it, I should say, is a mitzvah, meaning you'd be exempt from other mitzvahs, whereas the Tanakhama holds no, that's called a rishus, and the soldiers would not be exempt from other mitzvahs. So that has other ramifications, um, in any case, the Allah is not like Rabbi Huda. It's like the Tanakama, which means that uh, preemptive wars, I'm sorry, yeah, preemptive wars, if you will, um, are are considered rishus, and therefore the exemptions do apply, that everyone agree to, but also they don't exempt people from doing other mitzvahs um, that they have to do.